that you chose. Kelly and I, my wonderful wife, I would ask her to stand, but she may give birth, so we'll just ask her to stay seated. And um, we're just so excited. 36 weeks yesterday, so really excited um, for our new baby. We don't know what we're having. We're having a baby. That's all we know. And we're so excited about that to be joined to our already ever-growing family of four girls and one boy. God has blessed us. Number six. We don't like odd numbers. Number six is coming. And um, so we're just thankful for that. But we're excited you came to be with us today. We don't know how you got here. Maybe someone bribed you today. Maybe someone drugged you today. Maybe kidnapped you. We don't care. We just told people to get you here. But however you got here... We are so delighted that you came here because we believe our church is a better place today because of you. We believe our church is better because you are here today. And we are so happy and delighted. We're in the middle of a great series called Keep Calm and Carry On. Would you say that with me? Keep calm and carry on. And we've been teaching this for the entirety of the month and we're excited to continue in that today because this whole month we've been talking about hope, having hope in your life. But something different we've added to hope and that is to hope and change. Say with me, hope and change. Hope and change. Because we can hope. Here's an example. I can hope for my marriage to be better. It's a good thing to do, to hope. It's a desire for my marriage to be better. I can hope that if I don't do anything, my marriage is probably going to stay the same way. Everyone with me on that? But if I hope and then say, God, would you change me? Guess what happens? My marriage changes. So we've been talking about a change in our life can make a world of difference. We're looking at the four key areas of our life. Last week, we talked about our physical bodies. We talked about our bodies being a temple. Is our body really glorifying God? Wednesday, we had a nutritionist speak to us. Great, great message on Wednesday. If you miss it, follow it on the website. Really, really good. And here's what we learned on Wednesday night. Are you ready? There are no bad foods, just bad habits. I like that. That means a whopper's okay as long as I'm not whoppering it out five times a day. Everyone know what I'm talking about? You know, there are no bad foods. It's just the bad habits that we do with them. We're talking about in our relationships, change that needs to take place in our marriages, in our finances. How many says some change needs to happen in your finances? Come on, and we're not just talking about we need more money. We're talking about a discipline in our life, to be disciplined in that area, and then a spiritual life, which in essence we're going to be dealing with and talking about today, how our relationship with God. So we've put a quick video clip together just to explain this series, keep calm and carry on, just watch it and then we'll come back to the message. In the spring of 1939, during the build-up to war with Germany, the British government commissioned a series of propaganda posters. 
These posters were intended to offer the public reassurance in the dark days that lay ahead. They were required to be uniform in style and were to feature a special and handsome typeface, making them difficult for the enemy to counterfeit. They used the crown of King George VI as the only graphic device and had just two colours. Of the three final designs that went into production, the first poster carried the slogan, Your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us victory. The second poster had the words, Freedom is in peril, defend it with all your might. But the third design, of which over two and a half million posters were printed, simply read, Keep calm and carry on. These days we see the Keep Calm logo everywhere around us, on mugs, t-shirts, billboards, posters and such. There is even now an app that you can use to design your own Keep Calm catchphrase. We believe though that to keep calm and carry on can be a powerful way to go through our lives whilst we are under attack from our enemy and the challenges of life on a day-to-day -day basis. And that it can help you focus on hope for you, your family, your finances, your health and your future. There is hope for your life. Keep calm and carry on. Come on, I love that. There is hope for your life. Keep calm and carry on. So we're really excited. Tonight, today I want to talk about the house. Say with me, the house. I want to talk about church. I want to talk about God's house. I want to talk about how God's house will impact and affect and change your life, not only spiritually, but will change your life in every possible area. We think our church is kind of a big deal. We think our church is such a big deal. We got some t-shirts made. We made some banners. We just love our church. You know, if there is one thing that I am totally passionate about, it's about the house of God. It's about church. If you want to get me excited, start talking about church. And I will get so excited because I love church. When we make and send out emails or we shoot spots, you'll see me a lot of times say, see you in the house. And that's because, as I said, I love church. I, w I love what church can do for you. You know what church can do for you? It can help you. It can educate you. It can challenge you. It can direct your life. But, you know, it's not just what church can do for me. It's also what I can do or how I can be a part of church and how I can be in church and, and how it can be alive inside of me. And we're going to deal with that today. You know, I'm 41 years of age now and I've talked to a lot of people. I've been to a lot of places in this earth and throughout traveled and, and God has blessed me with that. And I've discovered something in my travels and talking with many people and that is this. Most people love God. Most people desire to have some type of relationship with God. But in loving God and desiring a late relationship with God, I realize there are many people who don't like church. They don't want to go to church for reasons or another. Most would say, well, I've been hurt. I don't like the people and, and this and that. There's a lot of people out there that love God. They want a relationship with God, but they just don't want to go to church. I want to read a story of one such guy. This is a great book, by the way, a great read. It's called The Christian Atheist. It says, we believe in God, but live as though he doesn't exist. It's a great, great book that we believe in God, but we live as though he doesn't exist. Listen to what he tells a story of a young man that is many, like many of the people that we come in contact with every day. It says this, I was sitting in a restaurant with my wife when our waiter Brad returned with Amy's salad and my cheeseburger. Moments after Brad left to check on his other tables, we bowed our heads and quietly thanked God for our meal. 
We had barely finished when Brad returned to our table. He had seen us praying and he asked enthusiastically, Are you guys Christians? When we told him we were, he positively spilled out all what God had done for him. Excited by his passion, I said to Brad, What church are you a part of? Brad replied, Oh, I don't go to church. Organized religion does not work for me. I was intrigued, really. But you seem so excited about your faith. Why are you not in church? He glanced around to make sure that no one else was listening. And he leaned in closer. Because the churches I've seen or the churches I've been to are far from what I read in Scripture. I think I can be a better Christian without the church than I can be with the church. I wonder how many Brads there are out there today. I wonder how many people there are like that, that are enthusiastic, they love God, they want to be in relationship with God, but church is not what they really have sensed because they've looked and they haven't found what they've been looking for. Look at the last statement that he says. He says, I think I can be a better Christian without the church than I can be with the church. That's quite a statement there. And my reply to a statement like that is, I think you may be better without the wrong church, but with the right church, you will never be better than when you're planted in the house. I believe that it's important for children of God to grow in the house of God. I believe it's important for us to be in the house. I believe it's the house that helps us and challenges us. And we're going to talk about that. But you know what? There's a lot of reasons why people don't come. I listed down five why people would say church isn't for me. Here's the top five reasons why people say church isn't for me. I don't want to be in the house. Maybe it's like Brad. You know, I love God, but not church. Here's the first one. You ready? Number one, I don't have time for it. A lot of people say that. I don't have time for it. It used to be, not too long ago, and I sound like I'm, I'm pulling the old history um, plug, you know, I'm old kind of thing, but it wasn't long ago. I can remember that Sundays meant church. And then after church, it was a day of rest. We loved Sundays because you went to church and then you did nothing else almost for the rest of the day. It was a day of rest. But where are we? But now in our 24-7 world, it's tough because Sundays seem to have just become another day of the week. A lot of people work on Sundays. People have commitment. For some, Sundays is their only time off or their only moment off. So most would say, you know, I don't have time for it. Here's another reason. Number Reason number two, I just don't want to go. I love people's honesty. I would much rather people be honest with me, don't you? I mean, most people wouldn't tell you this, I just don't want to go. They would use every other excuse, but the reality is I just don't want to go. They have the time for it. But they just have no desire for it. And most of the time it's because they feel that church is full of hypocrites. So why would I want to go with a bunch of people? I mean, who really wants to hang out with a bunch of people who claim to believe something then live differently for the rest of the week? That's why a lot of people don't want to be a part of church. Here's the third reason, because it's all about money. Show me the money. They think that church is all about money. They want my money. And by the way, all this money that they're getting, what are they doing with all that stuff anyway? It's all about money. Number four, they believe that it's not relevant to them. It's not relevant to their life. It's, it's not what they want to do. They don't get anything out of it. It's boring. 
Nothing can, they can take home and they can apply to their life. They fall asleep. Their kids don't want to go. If it's not making a difference in my life, why bother going? I'm glad I come to a church that's relevant to my life. I'm glad I come to a church that can give me the truths that I need to make it through every situation in my life. Even if it's I'm going to the grocery store. If you were here Wednesday, Kelly and I shopped on the outside aisles of the grocery store yesterday. They tell us that's the healthiest place is the outside aisles. And she said, if you're going to venture down the middle ones, be specific what you're going down for. I'm glad a church can tell me how I can live healthy in my life as well as spiritually in my life. And here's the last one. Top five reasons. Number five, because they're super spiritual. Anyone know anyone who's super spiritual? Don't put your hands up, but we all probably know someone. It's the far end of the spectrum. I almost didn't want to include this one. But you know what? There are a lot of people out there that have such high ideals and ideas of what church should be that there is no church that can possibly meet those type of standards for what they want. And usually what they'll throw out is this. Well, my body is the church anyway, so I have, I have church with myself. Well, go and have church with yourself. There are other reasons that we all know, and maybe you've heard them, maybe you've used them, maybe they're your reasons today, but that was just the top five for the sake of time. But it's no wonder when you hear things like that and you realize that there is a time crunch today with people. You realize that many churches are not relevant to people's needs. Many churches are all about money and pressurizing people to give. Maybe they are super spiritual or they're not spiritual enough. There can be all these things, but there's no reason, there's no wonder why a lot of non-Christians don't think even about going to church. But there are also many Christians that don't. And why should I bother with church at all? Why should I be in the house? I want to just tell you this today, and I want you to trust me with this. We didn't bring you here today to church bash you. I didn't want to stick church down your throat. That's not what we're trying to do today. You know, we're not trying to beat you up with it. You know, but here's what I want. I want to show you and answer why we should go to church And create a desire, hopefully, within your life. I'm just going to give you the facts and you can draw your own conclusion today. But here's what I do ask. Please listen to what I say with an open heart, with an open mind. Because I truly believe that church is vitally important for you and your future and for your family. Listen to this quote from Brian Houston. Brian Houston pastors a church. This was taken from his Twitter account. And I love this. He says this. He says, church is where mums and dads have a perfect opportunity to exemplify priorities to their children in a destiny-defining way. That's probably the greatest definition of church I've ever read. Where mums and dads, where we as parents, individuals, we have the opportunity to exemplify priorities to our children in a destiny defining way. A destiny defining way. Church can help define the destinies of our children, of our future, of our lives. But what's the misconceptions of church? Why do people not want to go? What is the struggles that people have? I've got a couple I want to share with you today. The first one is plain and simply this, go. Come on, say with me, go. Misconception number one is go. What most people do or what most people say about their involvement with church is this, we what to church? We go 
to church. Not a trick question. Most people in their involvement with church would say, yes, we go to church. So therefore, to most, church has just become a place. It's just become a building. It's bricks and it's mortar. It's a destination. Now, we need to go. And it's important we do go, but church is more than just a place we go to. And let me explain that statement. Because when a statement like that, we go to church, becomes or begins to be the way we think or how we think. Well, I just go to church. You know how dangerous that is? Why? Because then we begin to develop a consumer mentality. You know what a consumer mentality says? I'm just coming to take, 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 take. It's all about me. It's not about giving. We've got to watch. Yes, we go to church physically, but it's more than just going with a mental consumer mentality. I'm going to go, excuse me, and take whatever I can take. A lot of people say this. I'm just looking for a church that meets my needs. I need a good church that will help me. But notice the emphasis is on the my and the me and what's in it for me and what can I take. Trust me, here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, we believe we're going to provide great things and, and offer great things for you that we're going to discover also later in the message that church does. But church is more than just for you. It's more than just go. It's more than just a consumer mindset. Look what it says in Matthew 22, verse 36 through 40. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. A young man comes to Jesus and says to Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And the reason he asked this question was because he thought in his own life he had fulfilled everything. He thought he was great. He was perfect. He thought Jesus was going to say, Buddy, you've done it all. You are awesome. You are absolutely incredible. But Jesus answers him and Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment and the second is just like it. You shall love what? Your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the laws of the prophets. So what has Jesus just said to this man? Jesus said the first commandment is this, to love God, to love me with all your heart, to give everything to me. But then he said the second commandment is to love other people as much as you love yourself. And then what does Jesus conclude with? Anyone who does these two things, what? Love God, love others. Say that with me, love God, love others. Jesus said whoever does those two things, They have perfectly fulfilled every law. This young man is an expert. He knows the law inside and out. He's trying to live by it. So what was Jesus trying to show him? The same thing that Jesus wants us to see in our lives today. And it's this. Church is more than just a place we go to. But listen to this, but where we can give ourselves to God by giving ourselves to others. Think about that. We can give ourselves to God 
But we also, in doing that, we give ourselves to others. So therefore, the misconception about just going to church is so wrong. It's not just about going to church because church is actually God's chosen vehicle that he chose to meet all the needs of people. But you know how he chose to meet those needs? Through other human beings. God chose to meet the needs of someone else through perhaps someone who's sitting beside you today when you were lonely and you came in here and someone just said hello. God met your need today through what? Someone else who was around you. You see, God wants us not just to go to church. Let me say it this way. God wants us to be the church. Come on now. God is not calling us to go to church. God is calling us to be his church. And that's a big difference. That's a massive difference. I don't just go to church. I am the church. And I'm not like going, hey, I'm it, I'm this, I'm that. But I want to do whatever it takes to make church happen in someone else's life. I want to do whatever it takes to bring hope to someone else's life. I'm not just going, I'm participating, I'm involved, I'm connected, I'm committed. Here's a second misconception people have many times when it comes to church. How or why would they want me? How could I help? What could I do? I mean, do you know who I am? What could I add to the church? It's amazing how many people feel they have nothing to offer to the house. I'm not going to read it all today for the sake of time, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 27, Paul describes the church as a body that's made up of different parts. And here's what he says in verse 12, the first part of that scripture. He says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. What is he saying is there's many members, there's many parts in a body, but all should have equal concern for each other, he goes on to say. And he also says that each are indispensable. What does that mean? You can't do without the other. Everyone is necessary. Yes, serving in different functions. Yes, serving in different roles, but equally important. Do you realize that you are equally important to the person who's sitting beside you? You see, how can I, what can I bring? You are just as important. Listen, have you ever tried to see with your ears? Anyone ever tried to see something with your ears? You know, held something up to it? Has anyone ever tried to walk on their eyes? Not a trick question. I mean, have you? Oh, you have. Well, that's great. Tell me how it went. You don't do that. Why? Because that's not the part of the body that you see with is your eyes. You don't see with your ears. You don't walk on your eyes. You see with your eyes. You walk with your feet. Why? Because it's different parts of the body. But Paul is showing us that we all have something of great importance to offer. Your uniqueness today is with a purpose. God made you unique because you bring something that no one else can bring. You bring something to the house that no one else can bring. And if you're not here, guess what? The whole body suffers. What, you mean they suffer I'm not there? Yeah, we suffer because you may be the means of touching someone's life with your smile, with your encouragement. What? Yeah, you've got to realize this. We don't just go to church. We are the church. 
We've got to be the church and realize we've got something to offer. Look what it says in Acts 2, verse 42. I love this passage. The day of Pentecost has come. There's revival in the church. The church is just spreading. Everywhere they go, they're telling people about God. It's growing. It's multiplying every day. And it says this in Acts 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly. One translation says they devoted themselves in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in breaking and bread, and in prayer. Guess what? They didn't understand it all. These people were just new people to Christ. They didn't understand it all. They didn't know it all. When people asked them questions, they didn't have all the answers. But guess what they did? They plugged their life in. They didn't know it all, but they plugged their life in. They committed their life. They totally gave and served their life to church and to the things of church. And they gave everything they had. They decided, I'm not just going to go. I'm not just going to be a what a spectator. I'm going to be a participator They became church and realized that each one of them had something vitally important to bring to the house. What do you have today? What if you brought that to life today in the house? Every talent, every gift that you've given, God's given that for you to serve in the house, to be a part of the house. But the misconception is this. Why would they want me? What could I give? Oh, all I have to do is just go. Look what the next verse says in Acts 2, verse 43. Then fear, not in the fact of terror or being afraid, but as in awe, as in wonder. They had amazement. They were blown away with what God was doing. Fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Why was there great things done? Because people committed their lives to God. They committed their lives. Imagine what could be written about this local community, our city, our state, if we gave our lives to the house and became so full of God that everyone noticed. But yet, what's the misconception? I don't have anything to give. What's the misconception? Oh, I just go to church. Come on, it's more than that. We must see church for truly what it is and, and then what will it produce in our lives. I want to share with you something today, four key things that I believe church will produce in your life and, and what it will do for your life and how important it is to your life. Number one, here it is. It's a place where you can belong. Everyone wants this. Everyone wants to belong. They may not admit it, but everyone wants to belong to someone or to something. Every one of us needs this. There's a need within mankind that God created for us to be connected with people, to us to be around people. Romans 12 verse 5, it says this, So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of Of one another. Listen to this translation from the NIV translation, I believe it is, or the New Living Translation. It says this So it is with Christ's body, we are all parts of his body. And each of us has a different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. We belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. We belong to something great, he's saying. We belong to the church of God. I love that. In church, I can find a place to belong. I can find a family. I can find a place to be connected because everyone is looking to be connected. 
Everyone wants to join a club. Everyone wants to be on a sports team. Everyone wants to have a gym membership, a sorority, be part of a gang, be part of a mother's group. They kind of go to hand in hand, a gang and a mother's group, very similar kind of things. But everyone wants to be a part of something. They want to say, I'm connected. They want to wear a shirt. They want to look the part. They don't want to feel out of place. Why? Because, as I said, that's a desire. The list is endless of what people want. Why? Because they want that friendship. They want that. I believe church is a place where you can come home. I believe it's a place where you can find your place to belong. You can find the love that you've always been looking for. You can connect with others. You can build friendships that will be lifelong, that you can draw strength from people. I believe church is a great place where I can belong. And my God, do people need that today? People need to belong. Second place is this. It's a place to grow. Church is a place to grow. It's a place to thrive. It does not grow, but to thrive. I shared this at nine o'clock. Don't give my wife a plant or plant, as you all say. My wife will kill it. She is not good at taking care of plants. She'll be the first one to say this. If anyone ever gives us anything, she says, great, another one I'm going to kill. The only thing we can grow in our house is ivy. Have you ever tried to kill ivy? It's very hard to kill that. You could just water it like twice a year and that sucker's going to grow. You know what I'm saying? And it just springs back to life. Very forgiving. We've got some ivy in the house. Everything else we've got dies. It's amazing, isn't it, that God says church is a place where you can grow. There's too many people dying in church. Come on, there's too many people who are dying in church. If something's alive, the Bible says all. nature tells us it's going to grow. Something that's alive will grow. And that's why I believe in church, you need to grow. You will grow. Where there's life, you will grow. And I believe that there's a great word that comes to growth that a lot of us don't like, and the word is accountability. Have an accountability in your life. It's amazing how many people don't like that word, but what I've discovered is the reason why they don't is because they want to live life however they want by their own rules and by their own way, and they don't want to be told what to do. They don't want accountability. Accountability's not a bad thing when it's in the house. Come on, accountability is a good thing that can help your life. I love having accountability in my life. You know, I've got no problem when I leave work calling my wife and saying, babes, I'm on my way home. Well, you don't have to tell her when you're away home. You're the man of the house. You do whatever you want. No, I'm accountable to her, and she's accountable to me. And guess what? Our relationship is really good because of that. Accountability causes growth. It causes strength. It causes great things. I love the fact that I've got people around me that I can pick up the phone and they can help me and mentor me and comfort me and bring healing to my life because I've seen a lot of people who are out there and they have no one to turn to when they're in trouble. Accountability gives me strength. It gives me just that connection with people around. You see, here's an example. If we hit relational speed bumps, and I know none of you have ever had problems in relationships, but just say you have. If you don't have accountability with others, guess what you do? You just go off the deep end. You just run. You say things and do things and and you run from church and you run from others. But you know what accountability does? Accountability says, no, let's stay and work through this. And accountability gives you the tools to help you through that circumstance and situation that you can take what is a negative and you can make it a positive as you can develop and learn from God's word how you can forgive someone. Come on, forgiveness is a great thing that we can learn through accountability. And you know what? I can grow in church. I can grow. Look what it says in Hebrews 10, verse 24 and 25. It says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking 
the assembling of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day appointing, uh, approaching. What does he say? Don't forsake church. But guess what you can do? You can exhort each other. You can build each other. You can see growth in each other. And you can make a difference in someone's life. What about this one? Number three, it's a place to believe. Pretty important to believe, isn't it? It's pretty important to have a relationship with God. It's where I can build my relationship. It's where I can find a relationship. It's then where I can grow and nurture and build it and see it develop. That I can see my faith grow and stronger. Where I can grow spiritually. Look what it says in Romans 10 verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. The NIV says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So what happens is when I'm in church and I'm under the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God, guess what? It can help me in my walk with God. It can build my belief. It can help me and strengthen me in everything I can do. But it's not just hearing the Word. It's also doing the Word. Look what James 1 verse 22 says. But do not what? Don't just be a hearer, but you've got to be a doer. Be a doer of the Word and not a hearer only. What happens? You then deceive your why is it a place to believe? Look at Matthew 18, 20. It says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, God says what? I am there in the midst of them. I love that. What does God say? God says, when you're in church, when you're in my house, guess what? I'm there, right there with you. God says, I'm going to show up. And God reaches out to us in ways that we cannot even anticipate. Let me give an example of that today. Right now, as I'm preaching this message, there's probably a hundred other messages that are being preached right now. Because as I'm preaching this word, God's dealing with you in certain areas in your life. For some, maybe God's challenging you because of the way you spoke to your husband or wife on the way to church. And you're just feeling convicted of it right now. Maybe for some of you, it's that bad attitude you had this week. And God's saying, hey, hold on. Maybe it was those things that you did that you know you shouldn't have done, but you did them anyway. And God's convicting your heart like that. Isn't it amazing when God shows up, he works in ways that we never thought possible. You see, that's the power of church, that we can grow in faith. Because a message can be preached from the pulpit, but God's Holy Spirit is preaching a different message into your heart. Saying, come on, look at this, look at that. Pinpointing areas in your life. But you know what? There's another message that's been preached today and Satan is preaching a message right now and he's saying don't listen to all that junk don't listen to that oh hurry up I wish he would hurry up and finish because the saints are going to be playing soon man I've got this to do this week I've got that to do this week I can't believe they look like that I can't believe do you notice the different messages that have been preached and that's why it's so important to be in church Because it allows us to experience God's presence in a unique and awesome way. And God can speak to you. That you can see growth in your life. That your faith can be encouraged. You know what? If someone right now proved to me, proved to me and said, God's a hoax. Christianity is fake. And here's the proof. And I would have to say, man, you're right. That's the proof. Can I tell you right now, I wouldn't change the way I live. I wouldn't change the way I live because the way I live gives me great peace. The way I live gives me great happiness. 
The way, even if someone said God's a lie, I would still keep living the way I do. Why? Because nothing else has ever given me the peace that Jesus gave me. Come on, nothing else has given me the joy. So you can say it's all a lie, but you know what? My faith has grown and I believe God. And now even if you say it's not true, but he is true. There is more proof to bring to evidence of his truth and he walked on this earth than anything else, just scripture itself to confirm it. But what I'm trying to say to you is this, church is a place where I can grow and my faith can be grown in God. Here's the last one, number four. Church is a place of safety. Wow, do we need safety? Wow, people are so afraid today. Kelly and I live in a, in a gated community just has a little kind of loop street around and stuff. It's about 1.2 miles around. It's not very big. and It's just a gated community. You've got to press a code to get in. Someone's got to answer and buzz you in. You know, even in our community like that, it's still tough for Kelly and I just to say to our kids, just go out and ride your bikes and take off. Because we live in a society today that's a lot different to what it used to be. I remember when we were kids, we would take off for hours on end on our bikes. And our parents wouldn't worry because we just knew we had to be back for a certain time. And as long as we were back, our parents didn't worry about it. Just doesn't seem long ago, does it? I've been in America 20 years now. I remember when I came over first and I lived in Georgia. I lived in Georgia for three years. I remember 20 years ago, people didn't lock their cars. I remember you'd go to the mall and someone left their lights on. It was nothing for you to open the door, turn their lights off and shut the door again. You just did things like that. People didn't lock their houses. People weren't afraid. They weren't worried. But today, there is such a fear for people. People are even afraid in their own homes today. Just don't have safety. Just talk. I'm telling you right now, church is a place of safety and refuge for you and your family. We talk about it a lot. It's a safe place. It's a safe place for you. Look what the scripture says in in Matthew 16, verse 18. I love this scripture. The last part, Jesus says, I will build my what? Come on, help me out. I will build my what? I will build my church and what? The gates of hell. Hades will what? Not prevail against it. They won't be victorious. Jesus didn't say, I'll build the social club. Jesus didn't say, I'll build this or that. Jesus said, I'll build my church. And there's something about my church that distinguishes it from any other thing. Jesus says, hell will not be victorious against my church. You know why Kelly and I have our kids in the house every Sunday and we're teaching our kids to love the house and to be in the house and to serve in the house? My kids have been serving in the house. My daughter's doing the words or was doing the words. She doesn't look like Trey. She used to look different. She was doing the words at the back. I had two girls up here singing today. Why is that today? Because we have built our family in the house. And it brings safety and security to our family because God promises the gates of hell will not prevail. I want to build my family. I want to put my finances. I want to put my life into something that hell will not be able to prevail against. I can build my life into the church, into the church. It's a place where I can grow. It's a place I can belong. It's a place where I can believe. It's a place of safety. Listen to this statement about church. Church loves radically serves sacrificially, and gives extravagantly. I've got to bring this to a close today, but I want to share with you what my favorite thing is about church. My favorite thing about church is this, that none is excluded. My favorite thing about church is that everyone is welcome. Everyone can be a part. Why? Because church is a place that's full of broken people, and that's okay. 
Church is a hospital for the broken. It would be foolishness for us to say in a hospital sense, you're bleeding, go out and clean yourself up and then come back in. Why? Because a hospital is for the ones who are bleeding, to give them the help. It's the same with church. Church is a place for broken people. Notice when Jesus called his first disciples, his followers. Jesus handpicked them. And the people he chose was this. He chose a tax collector. Someone from the IRS. People didn't like them. He chose uneducated fishermen. He chose a left-wing extremist. Simon, who was a zealot. He chose, that's just a few of the people he chose, but do you get the idea? He didn't call the priests, he didn't call the scribes, he didn't call the rabbis, he didn't call the religious people. And why? Why did Jesus not call them? That's why I love church. Are you ready? This is why Jesus didn't call them. Because today, September the 15th, 2013, I realize today that nothing I have done and nothing that I ever am can ever exclude me from being a part of what God has. Aren't you glad today that Jesus chose a bunch of misfits because that means that I can find a place? Now, you may feel your life is altogether great. You still need Jesus. But it's amazing how we can allow Satan to infiltrate our minds and our thoughts and says, why, how? If everyone knew, if everyone knew everything about you, they wouldn't even talk to you. You see, if everyone knew what you just did this week, they would say, oh. It's amazing how Satan can throw all these things. Do you think God would really want to use you? I'm telling you, God chose people that I wouldn't have chosen. He chose disciples that I wouldn't have chosen, but they were the right choice. And that now makes you and me the right choice. Because we're maybe not the best and we maybe don't have it all together. But I'm telling you right now, you're just what he's looking for. You are just what he's looking for. And here's what he says, just come as you are. Look what it says in Acts 4 verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, two of his disciples, the uneducated fishermen, by the way, they perceived that they were what? Uneducated and untrained men. They knew they were just dumb fishermen. They were the religious leaders. They had it all together. Not trying to be unkind. If you're a fisherman, this is just what they were labeled as. They perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. What did they do? They marveled. Religious people, people who were very smart, they marveled. And they realized they had been with Jesus. Uneducated, untrained. That Greek word is idiotes, from which we get our word idiot or idiot. They were idiots. They were unskilled. They were untrained. But notice their conclusion. By being with Jesus, their lives had somehow been transformed. Jesus had transformed their lives. This is why I love church. Church is a place where your life, where Jesus can transform your life. You see, the same way he transformed their life is the same way he can transform your life today. He can and he will take your brokenness, take your great mess and he can make it into greatness. There's hope for you today. There's hope in the house. I love that word. There's that word again, the word of hope. There's hope through making the change and giving your life to Christ because you will discover hope you had only dreamed of ever having along with such peace, forgiveness 
and mercy. Romans 6 verse 23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death. The payout for the sin of my life is debt, is death. But what? The gift of God. What he offers to me today is eternal life through Jesus Christ. He paid the price that I can be free. He made a way for me. This is why I love church so much, because I can learn the story of Jesus. And the fact that I maybe don't have it all together, but he paid the price for me. And all I have to do is Romans 10 verse 9. I have to confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and just believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. And I will be saved. I love that. You know, I love the house of God. I could talk for weeks on the house of God. God loves his house. It's his heart. He loves his house. But you know what I love more than his house? And it's the fact that, guess what? That God loves you. And God loves me. Isn't that greater than the fact of the love I can have? That he loves me. And where else can we find such hope? Where else can we find such peace and comfort and help and guidance and encouragement, love and acceptance? There's no place like the house of God. And I pray today that I have helped perhaps answer some questions, create some desire within your life. Why the church? Because God loves the church. Why? Because it's a place where I can what, belong, I can grow, I can see growth in my life, I can find a place of safety, my belief can be greater than it's ever been before. But what can it be in a greater way? I'm not just part of a house, I can be part of a family. I can be part of the family of God. Keep calm and carry on. Carry on in his house. Would you stand to your feet with me? today. I don't know the message that God has challenged you with today in your life. But I pray today that you have seen that not only is it about the church, but it's about the fact that God's calling you to be his church. God's calling you to be, not just to go, but to be. That God loves you today. That God thinks you're so awesome and you're so special. I love the church and thank God for the church. But you know what? Church is not that which is going to save me. But it helps keeping me saved. To be a part of it. But you know what saves me is to say yes to Jesus. To say, Jesus, I don't have all the answers and I don't know it all. But God, I thank you that I can trust in you. Just like those people in Acts. They didn't have all the answers, but you know what they knew to do? Devote themselves to it. Make a commitment to God and to give their lives to God. You and I can do that same thing today. We can make a commitment to God. I wonder today as we close this service out today. I wonder if there's anyone here that would say, Pastor Philip, you know what? My life is not right. I've made some wrong decisions and choices. And you know, God forbid, but if I was to pass away, I don't know if I would make it to heaven, but I want to know. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you have, but you're not living where you need to be. Come on today, we want to ask you, would you give your life to Jesus? Is there anyone that would lift their hands up in this place and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. There's a hand that's gone up at the back. There's a hand that's over there. Come on, is there anyone else that would lift up their hand in this place and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. Come on, I want to give my life to Jesus. Come on, put those hands up all over this place. Is there anyone else? Thank you, sweetheart.
Is there anyone else today that would say, Pastor, I want to give my life to God? Come on, if you put up your hand, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come down the front here with us. Come on, right now. Come on, we're welcoming you down to the front. We're welcoming you down to the front. Come on, that you can love God. You can be a part of His house. You can just be loved by God. You can just be special because that's exactly what you are. You're special to God. You're special to God. This is why I love the house of God, because people can find a place to belong. They can find a place to be in God. We want to pray for these who have come forward today. If there's anyone else that wants to come today, we want to pray for you today. We just want to believe with you today. But come on, would you pray with me this prayer today? Come on, all over this place, pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you love me. I thank you today, God, that you have forgiven me. And right now, I give my life to you. And I pray, God, that you would change me. That from this day forward and forevermore, I would be changed. I would be a new person. God, I thank you today that you love me. And God, I want to tell you that I love you. I thank you, God, that I'm not just a part of your house, but God, now I'm a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.